Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. All right, welcome back to another episode of FOMO Fans. I'm your host, Brian Fanzo, and today we're going to talk influencer marketing and more specifically, what brands of all sizes need to be doing a little bit differently when it comes to influencer marketing uh, in 2018. But before we get to that, uh, this is episode 61, and uh, episode 60 was all about the Facebook news feed changes. And I was fired up. I, I went live uh, with that episode um, just as the announcements came out. It's been now a little over a week and a half or so since that announcement came out. A lot of different information that's out there, a lot of craziness, some good, some bad, some over overreaction, some underreaction. Um, in my opinion, there, we still have a wait-and-see game um, since that recording of that episode of this podcast. Um, I haven't, you know, it, my news feed it's, my, itself is kind of crazy. Um, I see groups, I see all kinds of things, but um, I'm doing a lot of data research because I'm working with a team called uh, Team at Del Mundo to do some research on true analytics of what's changed over the last 30 days. I'm also doing some research on the word choices and what things we can start to leverage in our statuses so that we we create those meaningful interactions. So stay tuned. That's actually leading up to um, a keynote that I will give at Social Media Marketing World at the end of the month. So if you're going to San Diego uh, for Social Media Marketing World, you guys will see my a brand new keynote uh, that is f- focused all about the Facebook news feed. Going to use some data from some big brands and some media companies to hopefully um, bring some different a, a different take on what's going on there. But we're going to talk a little bit about influencer marketing and a little bit of it is influenced, uh, influencer marketing influenced, is influenced by the Facebook announcement, right? So one of the things that I talked about is that micro influencers uh, are really going to take off. And really what a micro influencer is, is it's someone that is very influential, but doesn't have what would be traditionally the influencer numbers. And and for those that are out there, maybe you're a small business, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you work for a big brand, you know, influencers and the value of influencers has been all over the map, right? The, and the idea here is, and this is, comes down to a basic principle and definitely something that I talk about a lot on my, on my content, on my keynote stages, I believe in 2018, one of the most powerful things a brand can do is they can focus on relatability, relatability. Now, I don't even think that's a word. I think it's, you know, I, I kind of make that word up. But relatability really just means, you know, we buy from people we like, but we also buy from those that we can relate to and those that can relate to us as consumers. And influencers, for what I've always looked at is, influencers have a, have a trust with an audience that a brand traditionally does not reach or does not have that trust with. And, and just to give this some background, you know, in 2014, the beginning of 2014, um, I, I was brought in as an influencer for IBM. And I remember whenever I got the message saying, hey, Brian, we want to bring you in as an influencer. And we want to bring you some, to some events. The first thing I did was Google the word influencer. 
because I was like, what the heck is an influencer, right? I didn't, I didn't set out to be an influencer. Influencer to me, um, at the time I was kind of confused about what that entirely meant, but what I, I think we're learning, and this is something that I think we're learning across the board is in this digital world and in the offline world, 3d online, offline trust, trust is extremely important. It's extremely hard to build. And then once you have trust between yourself and an audience, and it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, the question becomes, how do you work with brands? How do you connect with things that you love and inspire people to take action? And this is where I want to focus this initial conversation, right? In 2018, there is no excuse for any, anyone to call themselves an influencer without having the data to back it up, right? Because here's the thing. You might be have a, a large audience. You might have a large following. But to be an influencer, to be someone that actually influences uh, something, you have to inspire action. Inspire action either through your words, inspire action either through your actions, or inspire action based on the trust that you have, right? For, for some people, and this is something that I, I do not take for granted, but I've had people tell me, Brian, I didn't even read your review of a book, but because you told me that this book is worth buying, I went out and bought it immediately, right? That, that's because they, they've, they've built up trust with me over a long period of time that, they, that they're taking action simply based on my actions. And I think as an influencer, right, this is a, an interesting space because in the digital world, there's things like tagging your links. There's such things as Google Analytics. There's understanding of advertising. There's understanding of your role as an influencer. And I don't believe there's any excuse for anyone to not be able to tell that story. And I go into that in a lot more detail in a previous episode. Uh, the title of it is, you know, how to get more than a one night stand as an influencer as an influencer. But as I'm going to talk to this as the brand side of the house, from the brand, from the business, from the entrepreneur, small business side. The first thing you, I really want to talk about is that when you're looking for an influencer, when you're looking to understand and work with other people, the first thing you have to, the first thing you must define is what does success look like? What does it look like if I start working with this person, if I start collaborating with them, if I send them product, if they're using my product and I amplify their message, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And this is important because not every influencer marketing campaign is the same. Not every single influencer marketing campaign is about driving leads. Not every campaign is about getting signups. Not every campaign is about, you know, uh, something that is like a physical action that they must do at that time. But there has to be some kind of success. I believe in the early days of influencer marketing, most, most brands, when they were building out these plans, didn't really know what success would look like. And what would happen was they would throw all this money at the program, they would implement it, and then afterwards they would go, well, that didn't really do what we wanted it to do. So the question becomes, did you understand what you wanted to do prior to researching and selecting your influencers? Because in 2018, selecting the right influencers is essential. That is the game changer, right? And there is a difference between a 
influencer and a brand ambassador or a spokesperson, right? If you're hiring a celebrity to, to promo your product or to have your product you know, placement behind there, that is different than working with an influencer, right? Because when you're working with an influencer, ultimately, this is a partnership that might be co-collaboration of content. You might be bringing them out to an event. You might be giving them early access to something. And ultimately, you, you have, you've figured out that they have a trust with an audience that you either can't reach, you don't reach normally, or that doesn't trust you yet, right? And so the trust factor is extremely important when you're selecting your influencers. Another thing is, if you select 10 influencers and nine of the 10 of them have a very same community and the same trust with the community, you're not getting very much value from those nine people. This is something I think we also have kind of forgot when it comes to influencer marketing is yes, sometimes it's valuable to have two or three people that have a very similar community because that just increases your trust score. But when you have an entire group of people that all have the same following, have all had the same relationship with their community, even create the same type of content, what you start doing is you start isolating or limiting the possibilities or limiting the, the overall outcome of what your influencer marketing campaign can be. Now, I've mentioned influencer um, micro-influencers earlier, and the reason I think micro-influencer marketing is so important is because when you're starting to look at trust, and you're starting to look at people that, that really inspire others to take action, here's the thing. I don't care who you are. You can have hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers. It is really hard to get one person to trust you so much that they do what you say or, or take action based on the trust they have. Just one person. So when you find people that have five people or 10 people, maybe they have a private Facebook group, maybe they have a following and a membership site, maybe they have a, a podcast that they've, they have a, a, a big subscription list, maybe they have a large email newsletter, Getting people that have five people or 10 people that they can inspire to take action is a hard thing to do. And I think, unfortunately, we've, we've never managed expectations correctly when it comes to influencer marketing. And, and one of the problems with that is we're like, well, if we get a, a lot of people and if they all have over 100,000 followers on Twitter – then, then I'm sure we're going to get these vanity metrics, right? Things like impressions and things like, um, you know, how, you know, getting the, the hashtag of our event trending on Twitter. But the question I like to ask, and this is that we're living in a data world today, is what the hell does that get you, right? Does, does, does your business benefit from getting your hashtag trending on Twitter. Maybe it does. Maybe maybe that helps with you know um, stock market. Maybe that helps with word of mouth marketing. Maybe that helps with your sales team being able to pitch something to different people at an event. I don't you know, and I'm not I'm not actually talking down to the idea of that. As, an, as a metric. But here's the thing. I do believe you have to understand if that leads to success. Because if not, if you continue to, you know, hey, I'm trending on Twitter, I'm getting all these people at my event, but it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't provide you business value. How the hell are you going to get buy-in the following year and the next year? How are you going to grow your influencer marketing program? How are you going to get other people involved? And I think this is one that where I see, and I, and I work with a lot of companies, that they'll, they'll invest in influencer marketing heavily for one year. The next year will get 
like a slightly more budget or slightly less budget. And by the third year, they've given up. And most of the time, they blame influencers. They blame the, the process. They're like, well, you know, the influencers don't understand it. The influencers wanted stuff for free. But I blame the brands. And the reason I do that is because in this today and age, 2018, now 2015, 2016 is a little different, but I'm talking about 2018 right now. You must be able to select KPIs and build success on what you're trying to achieve. There is so much data available for us today that you should be able to map that success using things like Google Analytics, things like Twitter Analytics, things like Bitly Links. All of these things are available for free for you to work with influencers. So, so maybe you're a small business. Maybe you as a small business would like to work with influencers. You can, you can tag links and then each influencer, they get an individual link. And as people click on that link, you can track the analytics. And when someone says, hey, I'm, I'm an influencer, I have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, when they, when, when they push out that link to their audience, you will actually see how many of those people are actually taking action based on that influencer, right? And so the reason I, I'm stressing this is because I still see a lot of people working with a lot of big name quote unquote, big name influencers or people that wrote books or people that are out there doing certain things. And I, I'm shocked by it because, and the reason I'm shocked by it is a simple concept that I don't believe that they're very influential. They just have a giant following that they've either paid for, they've built up over a long time, and they're probably not, for the most part, even hitting your target demographic. And I want to talk about target demographic real quick, right? So, if you're working with influencers and, and, and collaborating with them, maybe you're co-creating uh, products, yes, and you can use a Google URL builder. Thanks, Terry, for that, uh, who just dropped that in the live audience. Thanks, everybody who's watching live. But when you're, when you're working you know, as an influencer and you're doing some of these things together, one of the things you have to realize, and this is something I think a lot of brands get wrong, a lot of influencers get wrong, is this has to be a partnership. It cannot be a one-off one-off executed you know, contract or campaign. So many times I hear, hey, we're going to bring influencers to this special event. They're going to amplify all of our stuff and they're going to do all these amazing things for us and we're going to give them free travel and hotel and they're just going to be, they're going to spend all of their time with us. And then when the influencers get there and, and they don't, they're only doing a couple things, people are like, man, influencers suck. Man. I, you know, this whole thing is, is, uh, is broken. Well, here's the problem. If you don't define what success looks like and then convey that success to your influencers, how can you expect anything from people, right? Managing expectations. And remember, managing expectations does not mean that you simply say, I would like you to tweet 10 times. I would like you to post to Instagram one time. I want you to post to my, I want you to send this out to your email newsletter one time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm actually telling them is, hey, this is what success looks like. I'm working with you influencers. And for us, the goal is we want people to, to sign up for this webinar. We want people to download our product demo, whatever it may be. And so here's the thing about that that's really kind of interesting is that if you select the right influencers, you should not have to tell the influencers what to do. You simply tell them what you would like to achieve with this partnership. Let me say that again. 
If you select the right influencers, which I believe is extremely difficult and takes the right person and the right team to do so, then you don't have to tell them what to do. You simply tell them what you want to accomplish. Because any influencer that is working with a brand understands one simple concept. If you make the brand look good, if you make the person you're working with successful to their boss, you will get brought back again. This partnership will be successful. An influencer marketing campaign, an influencer marketing project is only successful if it's mutually beneficial and you both understand what success looks like. And I, and I hope, and I hope this, this something is important because if you select the right influencer, here's the thing. Your influencer knows the type of content that their audience likes. Your influencer knows when to give a call to action. Your influencer knows when to put a link, when not to put a link. When someone tells me, Brian, you must push this out, you must do that, I say no. I remind them that they're hiring me, they're working with me because I know my audience I have trust with my audience, and I understand how to move the needle. The problem with that is there's no guide to being an influencer. There's no, you know, in 2014, I had to Google what an influencer was. There's a lot of content out there about influencer marketing, not very much content on what it takes to be a good influencer. And for me, a good influencer does things like provides data, has trust with their community, is selective when they pick their, uh, the brands that they're working with. And then ultimately, they know how to prove that they are actually influential. You know, one of the things that I did, and, and I do a lot of, you know, testing and playing around is I like to share certain links to certain brands before I ever start working with them to see if my community responds to that. So one of the tools that I used was Grammarly. I don't know if you guys have used Grammarly before, but Grammarly is a, is a web-based tool that, that grammar checks um, your content right in the browser. It's really easy to use. I use it for all of my blogging, and it's called Grammarly. And the interesting thing is I want to do some work with Grammarly, but before I did so, I was like, I wonder you know, how my community would respond to a link of me giving them out one month's free uh, of this service, and that's what you get for the thing. So I created a Facebook post. I simply put the link in there that was tagged and, and linked to my account, and I shared it out with my Facebook community. And I have you know, less than 5,000 followers on, on my personal Facebook account, but I wanted to test this out. And so the total post itself ended up getting about 164 likes uh, total. So it, it got 164 likes. It had about 70 comments. But the thing that I thought was powerful, and this was sharing the link one time on my personal Facebook account, we had 48 people sign up for the service. So whenever I talk, when I reached out to Grammarly, I said, hey, I would love to work with you. I think we could co-collaborate on some content. I think we should do some great things. And how I proved that is I said, I tested this out with kind of a, a close-knit group of mine on Facebook, and I was actually able to inspire 40-plus people by simply telling them why I love your service to click the link and sign up, right? It wasn't just click the link and bounce from that web page, but it was actually I inspired them to take action and sign up for that service, right? And so this as an influencer, you have to be able to prove that you are actually just influential. Just because you're on a top 20 list on Twitter, just because you put it in your social media bio does not mean that you are an influencer. Just because you tweet out with a certain hashtag a lot does not mean that you are an influencer. But I think it goes on both the brand and the influencer to understand this. Now, here's another one of those things that I have a pet peeve about. So, I, And I see my good friend Mia Voss is in here. 
And Mia works with a lot with with some car companies. And Mia is who I talk about on stage all the time. Where Matthew McConaughey is 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 someone that you know he works for a car company. He's a brand representation. He does a commercial where he drives that car and he tells you to buy the car. None of us believe that he actually drives that car, and I don't believe very many people buy that car because of Matthew McConaughey. But I can tell you what Mia does is Mia test drives a lot of different cars. She creates YouTube videos on her YouTube channel. She gives her honest feedback about these different cars. I can tell you when I'm going to buy a car, I go to Mia. I go to someone that I can relate to, someone that I have that I have trust with. She happens to be a good friend of mine, and she is someone that I that if she tells me that this car is a good car, I will go test drive that car. If it's Shaquille O'Neal or some celebrity, there is no trust. There is no direct rapport. I don't. They can't relate to me. They don't. You know. They don't live paycheck to paycheck. They don't go. You know. And have you know kids in the back. There's some things that really that influencers have value in. But one of the things that I think we have to do better on for brands moving forward, and I, and I see another great influencer in here in my chat, Mike Metzler, and Mike does a, some amazing work with the UFC and NASCAR. Here, For all the brands that are out there, if you're investing in influencers to create content on the influencers channel, this is what I want you to do in 2018. Whenever they, if they go live on Facebook or maybe they're creating a Snapchat story or maybe they're, they're engaging live on Twitter, you as a brand must participate in that piece of content. Let me reiterate that again. You as a brand must participate with them on that piece of content because this is something that, that is really mind-boggling for me. If, if, I'm, if I'm broadcasting live on my channel and I'm at a local event and I'm talking about this, uh, this product or company, the company should be in the comment section engaging with my community, sharing links to different things that I'm talking about. Too often, this is usually what happens. We, the brand either says, I want you to take over the brand account, which is, you know, requires some trust. Probably doesn't happen often enough. And they say, okay, take over our account, go live on our Facebook, go live on our Instagram stories. Or they say, we want to bring you somewhere and we want you to go live on your channels so that you can reach your audience. The problem is that's, they, they kind of stop there. And if you as a brand want to convey trust to an influencer's community, you should be just as engaged as every one of those community members. You should be commenting on their YouTube channel. You should be sharing that YouTube video out on your Twitter account. You should be embedding that YouTube video on your website inside of a blog. Sadly, I think we limit that, right? We all of a sudden go, well, we want them to do it on their channel. We want them to reach their audience, but... We forget that if we want to build true trust and a relationship with that audience, then we better engage. We better start reaching out to them because sadly, so many brands stop there. The person still has the trust with the influencer, but their, their relationship with that brand does not change. And I think this is a massive gap, a massive gap for brands when it comes to influence because influence, way influencer marketing works well is I call it the triangle of influence, right? Triangle of trust. The brand, 
brand must trust the influencer. The influencer must trust the brand. And then the third part of it is the influencer must have trust with its community because the community will trust what the influencer is talking about. The influencer will talk about things in a way that helps the brand achieve success. Sadly, though, this all falls apart when brands aren't participating in the content. And I really think content, when you're creating with brands, should be collaborative. And what I mean by collaborative content is I think you should be you should both be a part of it. And and here's something I always offer to brands when I when I you know, I'm. I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a professional speaker. That's what I do for my my full-time income. And when I when I work with a brand and I just create a blog post about this, I offer them lots of digital value. I tell them that I'll do a video that they can promote out on their um, as a Facebook ad. I do a video that I embed on my Twitter account. I, I do some live tweets. I post a picture from every event I go to to my Instagram channel. And then I offer the brand, I say, would you like me to take over any of your channels and do some content for you on your channels? And almost every single time they say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't worry. We want you to focus on being a speaker and, and, and on that side. But the thing about it is if you're already bringing an influencer there and you're working with an influencer, this should be a collaborative experience. But the hard part is for collaboration to work, right? For collaboration to actually be beneficial, the, the reward has to be there for both the influencer and the brand, Let me repeat that. For collaboration to work, the influencer has to find benefit as well as the brand. And I think too often or not, it's one side or the other, right? Where the influencer is going live on their their Snapchat account and to the influencer, they get to tell their community how awesome it is. They're at this really cool place doing all this amazing things. But the brand's like, well, we can't really track Snapchat and Snapchat isn't our target audience. Or it's the other way around where someone's just tweeting on a hashtag or taking over a dormant account and they're not truly providing that extra value. And I think this is something, you know, I, 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 I talk about this on stage all the time. And I think everyone should, should, must understand this. Yes, collaborative and reciprocal. But here's the other part about this. The field of dreams marketing is broken. I don't care if it's influencer marketing or not. Just because someone has a channel, just because you build a website, just because you launch a new landing page for your influencer program does not mean they will come. Just because you build it does not mean they will come. You must socialize, you must educate, and you must amplify the story, the conversation to get people to where they need to go. And what that means is you as a brand must go to where your community is engaging, not tell them to come to you. And so that's why when I like look at successful influencer marketing programs, one of the things that I love seeing is I love when brands bring in influencers of all different types, bringing in one podcaster, one live video person, someone that's an author, maybe someone that's a speaker, maybe someone that has a really big Facebook group following, maybe someone that has a, has a trusted rapport as an entrepreneur, maybe someone that's a very successful CEO, maybe someone that's retired and is a mentor for different uh, people. Because here's the thing about that. If you select different influencers across different platforms that create different types of content and you as a brand engage with them on all of those different channels, not only do you broaden your reach, 
But now you start building trust in new ways, in new platforms. I've talked about it a lot on here. If a brand wants to sponsor this show, this podcast, I am 100% open to it. We can do a segment. We can do uh, opening roles and mid roles. But for me, that brand has to see value in connecting with a podcast community. And the crazy part is I will hear this from brands. I was thinking about sponsoring your show, Brian, but I decided to launch my own podcast with only my own people hosting it, and we're going to talk about only our own company. And I ask, who the hell is listening to that? And if you for some reason think that the same people that I've built up an audience with for the last three plus years as a podcaster are the same people you're reaching with your podcast that you're launching, guess what? You're clueless. You haven't figured out this game. And, and this is something that, you know, and it sounds harsh, but I believe as brands, you have to understand there is power in collaborating with influencers with the content they create. There is also power in bringing those influencers into the brand content and helping them amplify it, right? So if you're working with an influencer, let them co-host the podcast that is on your brand channel so that they bring in their audience. It cannot be one or the other like, oh, we had you as a guest. Please amplify this because we want to get the same benefit that you get if you, you host a podcast or a show over and over again. And I guess one of the things that I really think that is missing from influencer marketing is that you must manage expectations, you must select the right people, but you also have to understand that it's a long-term play. Anyone who says, hey, you know, just hire me today, I'll move the needle tomorrow, is full of crap. They're probably using bots. They're probably faking it till they make it because relationships take time. Trust takes time. If you want to inspire people to take action, they oftentimes say that it takes three mentions of that brand, three interactions with that brand before someone thinks about making a purchase. So for me, like I, I talk about Hint Water, and I'm not an influencer for Hint Water. I don't have any uh, collaboration, but Hint Water is a water that I found that I absolutely love. It has a hint of flavor. And I've started drinking this water, and I, and I will drink the water on air when I'm live streaming. I will, I will drink the, uh, the water when I'm doing you know, Instagram and Snapchat content. But one of the things that I, I think about is I'm not going to convince people to drink Hint Water by simply putting the product one time in my podcast or mentioning it one time on my Instagram. But if over time people see that, hey, not only am I talking about this product, but I'm actually using it, I'm actually a fan, I'm actually drinking this product, they are much more likely to then go, well, what is Hint Water about and start to take action. Another thing about that for me is this is one of the things that I love doing is I will not drop a call to action the very first time I mention a brand that I work with. So if I'm working with your brand, one of the things that I will, and I just had a bunch of people in the live video say that they're going to go try Hint Water, and I say, go for it. It is really good. But one of the things that I've learned is that if I give a call to action to my community the very first time that I mention a new brand, it goes over their head. They're like, what was that? I don't even know what he's talking about. But if I socialize it, if I'm using the product, if I'm giving, hey guys, countdown, 10 days from now, I'm going to this awesome event. I'm gonna be collaborating with all these people. Just wait till all the fun things that I'm doing. And then they see me having pictures with the brand, using the products and downloading the gear. And all of a sudden, when it gets to that third time, I say, hey guys, remember how I've been talking about this great product and this great company I'm working with? If you guys wanna get it 20% off or if you guys wanna, I recommend you guys going and doing this or going and buying this product, that's when the action takes place. 
But if a brand is not willing to collaborate with me, if a brand is not willing to create a partnership and let me decide when the call to action should happen, guess what happens every time? Well, I, I, I dropped the brand. The brand mention happens. It doesn't move the needle that they want. And now they're confused. And so to kind of recap, to bring this whole thing full circle, one of the things that I really think in 2018, you have to invest in your community where your community is. And if you are hiring an influencer, you're working with influencers, and remember, you don't need to pay influencers. This is another thing. Influence, you must make sure that it's beneficial for an influencer, but that does not always mean pay. And if you are an influencer that only takes, only does work if it's a pay-to-play thing, you are short-sighted and closed-minded. Because here's what I love to do, right? If someone's like, well, we don't pay our influencers, but we would love to know what, what kind of things we can do for you. If that's a brand that I can do consulting work with, you know what one of the things that I ask for? Can I get 30 minutes with one of the executives to have lunch with? Can I get FaceTime with one of your, your leadership Wait a second, for me, that's worth more than money because guess what? I'm building a relationship with that executive. I'm getting on a first name basis with them and more than likely, I can probably pitch what kind of work I can do with them. Maybe there's another one. Hey, I, I know we can't pay you, but what we're going to do is we're going to write a blog post on our, on our site and we're going to highlight your company. We're going to link back to your product. We're going to do lots of great things with you with your, and we're going to put it all on our channel. We're going to put some paid social behind it. So we're going to invest on in amplifying the content that we create with you because all of a sudden now it's like, oh wow, you're going you're gonna to help enhance, you know, right? And this is different than exposure. You, exposure is not what you sell, right? And, and this, is, this is the problem on both sides, right? You either have someone that says, I want money, and you're like, well, I don't do money. Or you have a brand that says, I will give you exposure, and you laugh because you probably, as an influencer, have just as big of a following, if not bigger following, than the brand. Exposure is the wrong thing. What you have to do, and this is a great, per, a person that is great at sourcing influencers knows how to do this, right? You select the influencer, you let them know you want to work with them, and then what you do next is you ask them what things matter to them, or better yet, you go to their website, you see what they're talking about. Here's another one. If a brand wants to work with me and they have a giant yearly event where they, they put on this big event, they could simply say, Brian, we want to bring you in. We don't, we're not paying uh, influencers or speakers, but we're going to give you the, the headline keynote spot. If you work with us for a couple months on a couple pieces of content, we're going to give you the best speaking spot in our entire event. Guess what I do? Hell yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Because then not only am I getting a great opportunity to tell my story, but I'm getting a chance to put that to say that's a brand I spoke at. I'm getting an hour on stage to impress the audience that might hire me to speak at their event or with their company. This is the thing that I really think that we have to understand. And if if you can't figure out how to get the right influencer, there are some great companies and brands that are doing it. I know Top Rank Marketing, uh, Rachel at Top Rank, Rachel does an amazing job. And it doesn't matter if it's a small business, a big business, it could be a scientist, it could be uh, an energy company, it could be an enterprise tech company. What you do is you have to find the right influencer that has the right audience and that you understand what moves the needle for them, what incentivizes them. And you have to be willing to do it. And you have to be willing to put it out there. And the second part of this that you really have to remember is that you do it does need to be mutually beneficial. And sometimes as a brand, and, and wait for it, this is something that you might be surprised, right? You have to actually take a step back and you have to allow what's beneficial for your company to happen last. 
This is one of the secrets that I think that I, brands that have told me, Brian, we want to work together, but we're, um, we're not sure exactly what we're going to do to, to like move our needle in our company, but we're going to, we want to do the things for you first. If you show an influencer that you care long before you ask them to do something, you will get them to do things without hesitation right? And, you know, maybe it's sending them swag. Maybe it's highlighting them on a blog post. Maybe it's, you know, giving them exclusive access to a product release. I mean, I'm a tech geek. When a brand gives me, um, you know, software for free, if they give me the software and say, hey, Brian, we think the software will be valuable for you. I will start to use the software. I will try it out. If they tell me, Brian, we want you to write a blog post, a review, and send out 10 tweets, and we will give you access to the software, I tell them, no, thank you. I promote and socialize things that I use. And you must trust that your product doesn't suck. Because if you give me access to your product and it does not suck, I will do those things that you want to happen. But unfortunately, telling me to do that up front is not the best way of managing expectations. I would rather you say, Brian, we're really trying to reach that millennial Gen Z audience and we believe our tool is beneficial for them. We would love for you to give us some feedback. Here's access to our tool. Well, now we're starting that dialogue. We're starting, you're telling me what, what does success look like? And I'm going to let you know that I'm going to help you achieve that. So I think, you know, influencer marketing Unfortunately, it gets a bad rap for some people. And there's this there's this um, article going around with this where this YouTube uh, girl reached out to a hotel and she told the hotel that they should give her a free room because she's influential. And the hotel pretty much went on a rant on their public page saying that they would never work with an influencer like a uh, YouTuber and it's all fake and it's never worked for them before. Well, I think both people were wrong in that instance. But to truly make influencer marketing work, and I'm going to give you this. This is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. You must define what success looks like. You must understand the goals of your program and how you're going to measure them. You must source and find the right influencers that have access and trust with a unique community that you do not have access to. You must select influencers that have different types of content creation, different types of community so that you can work with them. You must make sure that it is mutually beneficial for both of you. You must engage with the, with the audience and the community where they are. If they are going live on their personal account, you as a brand better be in that live video. If you they're they're going they're posting a blog post, you as a brand should be commenting on their blog post, sharing out their blog post to your social media accounts. And then last but not least, you must invest in influencers like it's a relationship, like it's a long-term partnership. And remember, partnerships require both people to have a shared version of success and believe they can help move the needle. Oftentimes, one of the things that I do when I fire back to a brand is I tell them, I'm not sure if I can move the needle and reach success that you want, but I do have some ideas of things we can do together to make that happen. Work with influencers that understand their community, are willing to push back when they're told what to do, and rather than telling them exactly what to do, tell them what you hope to accomplish and why you selected them, and you'll be amazed at the results. I really do believe in 2018 and 2019, trust and relatability are everything in marketing today. And if you want to build trust, if you want to reach new audiences, you need to leverage your employees, you need to work with influencers, and you need to start leveraging and understanding your own personal vulnerabilities. 
People do not build trust with a logo or, a, or a, just a brand. They build trust with people, either people that work at the company, people that the company collaborates with that are influencers, or they build trust that you empower your employees to take over accounts and do some of these things as influencers. It amazes me that so many brands start with influencer marketing without first, with first empowering the people that are already on your payroll. Some of the most influential people for you as a brand, more than likely, are your employees. Think about it. My name is Brian Fanzo. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, episode 61. Like I said, there's an episode um, a little bit ago where I did break down a little bit more the rules of an influencer and how I think an influencer can truly move the needle from a one night stand to getting a call back the next morning. But this episode is really dedicated towards brands. Thank you guys all for watching on the live video, both on Periscope and Facebook live. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. We're on all the different channels. We are also on the Amazon echo. So if you use Amazon echo, simply search for FOMO fans and you can make my show, the show that you're listening to part of your daily news brief every morning whenever I put out an episode. So hopefully I'm doing, I'm practicing what I preach. I, I try to be as transparent as I possibly can about sponsorships and businesses and what I'm working on. I also try to, uh, you know, realize that the field of marketing is broke, right? The field of dreams is broke and I want to bring the content to you. So if you want to watch the live videos, if you want to watch the videos on YouTube or on C-Suite TV, if you want to listen on any of the podcast channels, including Spotify, iHeart, radio feel free to do so if you want to do it through your amazon echo i'm open to that as well for me i don't care about individual download numbers i truly want to make this show easy for you to consume hopefully easy for you to enjoy inspire you to take some actions and if you get the opportunity if there is a brand a company or an event that you think i would be a good speaker for i would love a recommendation i would love for you to ping me and say hey brian you should apply to speak at this that this event or hey brian let me introduce you to somebody that can get you on stage at this company. To me, that would mean the world. Don't do it because I told you. Do it because I've provided enough value for you over time that you think I can provide value to that audience. For FOMO fans, episode 61, we are out. Cheers, my friends.